0: Oh, that's great! Exactly like that. Excellent. That's excellent. What a blessing, man! That's amazing, by the way.
1: It's a
0: blessing for me. No, no, (laughs) walaan. Look at that. The right time, right thing, internet connection, this guy. This is from Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. That's amazing. That's great. All right. How do you get into this? Sister Manahil,
1: where are you? Sister Manahil. You're in session. You're
0: in session. Yeah. Uh, Brother Haydar? Oh. <laughs> guys, one second, guys, one second. One, one second. One second. Sister Manahil. Naz Baji, where's Naz Okay. I'm
1: going to go quickly, so, and come back. Where's uh, Sheikh Omar Hadrooj and Sheikh Tariq Musdih?
0: in ala has got to be has, is it the most unique place that we've ever done it is it let's think let's go through it guys online tell me where have we what we've done in front of the uh, in front of the golden uh, uh, thingy qubbat uh, sakhra meaning the Dome of the Rock. So we've done it in front of that. I think that was pretty, I think that was pretty special. We've done it outside the walls of Aqsa. So you've got all of Aqsa. We did that from the Golden Walls Hotel roof. That was pretty crazy. We've done it from one of the Fairmont Musallah. So you've got all of the, the whole of the Kaaba, like, you know, underneath. Done that a few times. We've done it obviously from Masjid Nabawi. That's special. Done it from some universities in Malaysia. Pretty crazy stuff happened in some of those lessons. Remember that kid who came when we were speaking about marital relations and things like that? And we were speaking about what breaks a uh, ghusl and what's going and a kid walks in at that moment. It was the craziest, maybe that's certainly the craziest ever live LP session. Um, we, huh, we did it in a garden in Pakistan and some really nice gardens as well in Pakistan. Did it from, my vi- ah, did it from the mountain in my village. Canada. And now, huh? Canada and Canada, Huda. Oh, Sugar, yeah, on the way to Vancouver and through rock the Rockies. Yeah, 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 in the Rockies, yeah, we left Calgary and on the way to Vancouver. How can I forget that? There was me, Shaz and uh, Ali Morali on the road trip. Um, Canada train, yeah, Shaz said a Canada train as well. You see? That, that, that was crazy. We deleted that video for some reason because Shazad looks a bit, yeah, too big in that one. Huh, nah, Shaz? I don't know, you know, we look after each other. When we're looking a bit too fat, then we delete the videos, you see? Isn't it Shazad Salim? And, he, and as bilal said you can never forget the train because the okay, train started sisters, yeah. at the beginning of the move. lesson so and it was going on for like ready, half an you hour ready, make sure that right? you get the correct bus that is so going to the correct hotel inshallah right? so you will hear yeah, a few announcements soon as that in the background bus is full, that bus will start moving to the hotel please brothers and sisters whoever intends to do umrah make an appointment and make your niyyah to come into the state of ihram from here so you might hear a few more announcements, but we're at the end of the program. Okay, we're at the end of the program. Um, but just so to give you a little bit of a context, first of all, alhamdulillah, again, the grace and mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you never know whether you're going to be allowed in, you never know what the political climate's like, and you know, it doesn't matter if you have a visa, they can say no anytime any time. Alhamdulillah, we were allowed to visit Medina and then Mecca and do Umrah. And um, I'm here with uh, my peoples from Dar es Salaam. And uh, I always... Um, it's a different program of course to the Tarbiya program and you know, each program is in its right place and the Dar Salaam program should be kept in its right place as well and it has its own benefits, right? It, it does things that, that I wouldn't do in the Tarbiya program and doesn't do enough in other areas, but then in other areas it goes above and beyond. So wonderful experience with a, a, a brand new kind of uh, diaspora, an audience that we don't get much exposure, exposure to. So um, one of the amazing things that they do is they have a gala dinner uh, at uh, Arafah, right at the foot of Jabal rahmah. So what you're looking at right there is the actual Jabal rahmah. This is, um, yeah, I mean, um, it. From an Islamic kind of point of view, it doesn't have actual intrinsic significance. Yeah, I mean, uh, 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 like uh, what I mean is that you don't, you don't say it's like it's holy or something like that. It's Group not.
1: seven,
0: let's go past um, the So although although it's not holy. But this is where the Prophet ﷺ stood. And at the bottom a sukhirat is uh, I mean it's not there anymore, but there used to be a, I uh, I think it was Umar ibn Abdul Aziz that he built a small masjid there to show the place where the Prophet ﷺ actually stood when he gave the last sermon. At uh, the full the full version. Obviously I just mentioned just a little bit of it right now. But the full version is done at the bottom. And of course this is where he sallallahu then made the dua of the uh, dua of Arafah. Um, and, But what's interesting is obviously like the, to go up the top is not something per se Islamic and it's not a part of the rites of Hajj and it's also something which, um, uh, how can I say, it's not also um, from the rituals of, and, and also outside of the day of Hajj, it doesn't have any value. This is more an emotional kind of like, uh, how can I say, what is it? What do, what do people feel when they come here? It's spiritual? spiritual
1: sentimental.
0: sentimental I think spiritual. Yeah, it's something like that Because obviously it doesn't actually have Islamic value But maybe if you've Now, let me tell you If you've done hajj Then it's complete something else Right? Now for uh, Here's the irony Why we shouldn't put too much importance on places Because as part of our program We have our own place to stand So our place Is there Alright, so I want you to have a look Alright, so if you ever get the opportunity Ya Allah bring hajj back Ya Allah but if it does come back and we get to go again, then um, from the camera point of view, yes. So th- there in the video, just there where that light is, to the little bit further of that, we have our own little hill. And the great thing is that people don't know about it. So here it's impossible to get to the top of, right? Impossible. I mean, it's very dangerous and it's completely packed. But we will take our group yes, over please, there. Please, please make sure that you don't and leave anything behind. We your phone, your wallet. I mean, your those folks who have been with us will know. Husband. Please, just take everything with you. Please. It's the greatest thing. I mean, it's the greatest experience standing over there making Dua. And, and uh, it's not a short Dua. You know, for the folks who have been coming here for the f- who have joined us for the first time, and you would have seen my emphasis on Dua, Dua, Dua. And you know that that's already something different to a normal Dara Salaam or normal, normal Umrah kind of program. The reason I do that is because if you don't get yourself ready for that, even in Umrah, you're going to have a real big shock when you come to Hajj, and you're left for five hours to make Dua, right? For five hours. People who have not made Dua for more than 10 minutes at the end of a prayer, they're then just left, and the day is just, they're hoping on some kind of emotional kind of leverage of other people, they're hoping for a miracle. And the great thing about the place and how special it is on that day is that it does give miracles. And the proof of that is all the people who come here have never taken a class ever in their life, don't know anything about the Hajj, don't know anything about the Fiqh at all, and they have the greatest experience, they feel you know, cleansed, and that shows just how powerful the place is, that actually the people like us, and we will prepare for six months. We will prepare for six months, right, for this one day when we come here. And we let it all out here, and we've got plans and strategies and lists and this and that, but SubhanAllah, the guy who's done nothing, knows nothing, will come here and take it all as well. And that's why SubhanAllah, when you look at the statements of the Imams of the Salaf, Okay, Um, what did they say? They said that, you know, to to, to give... I mean, it's a mind-blowing statement. They said that the biggest loser on the day of Arafah is the one who thinks that he won't be forgiven. I mean, think about that. Like everybody's getting forgiven. Whatever happens, it's just, it's happening. That's it. So it's a special place, but special place only on that day. But if you've experienced that day, when you come here, it does, it's a bit goosebumps, you know? So, alhamdulillah. so I do understand that the video is not great, okay? The, the quality of the video is not great, but I am alhamdulillah recording this to Shazad to Shazad standard on the on the podcasting uh, with a uh, with um with the high quality sound. So we'll try to make it work somewhere one way or the other. Um, I have not connected any other devices or whatever, so I'm trying my best. You guys can hear okay at the back, yeah? Is that okay? Yeah, you are okay? All right. So uh, guys, I need someone to. Uh, I mean, everybody, let's uh, uh, post me some text, folks, okay? Post me some text, some translations. Uh, please, if you can post me the text that we are covering today, then that'd be great. By the way, you know something? And I'm speaking more here now to used to and to Ibn Yurohi and what I completely forgot because it's been a couple of years that I, it hasn't happened is to tell everybody to, to, to wear socks because the mosquitoes here are murder and I have been bitten so badly honestly, my body has been completely destroyed hands, legs, feet already and every time before I come, I say to myself gotta bring the spray and gotta bring the thingy and I always forget, always forget there we go, alright so, let's have a look at this the section that we're going to be covering today uh, is uh, hey, Hahawa. Um uh, where am I going to Okay. So our author says Walla to see who half a fascin cacafirin, whala halfimraatin, whala chuntha lirij, wala uh le Sabiin Libaleg ولا أخرس ولا عاجز عن رقوع أو سجود أو قعود أو قيام إلا إمام الحي المرجو علته ويصلون وَرَاءَهُ جلوسا ندبا فنبتدع بهم قائما ثم عَتَلْ فجلس أتم خَلْفَهُ قياما وجوبا. So the translation of the section that we're covering today, or part of what we're going to cover today, is the prayer is invalid if it is offered behind. Number one an evildoer, such as a disbeliever, a woman, a hermaphrodite for male followers, a child for someone postpubescent, a mute person, someone who can't speak, and one who cannot bow, prostrate, sit or stand, as the Imam, unless he is the local Imam who is expected to recover from that temporary condition. It is recommended that they pray behind him seated if he starts the prayer while standing, but then has to sit down due to a problem, they must complete the prayer standing. So that's the section that we're gonna to cover today. So the exact point that we've got to obviously for the last few weeks, we've been covering the issue of female imams and hermaphrodites and all the rest of it, okay? And now we'll come to the section on, we're at the top of page 224 in the commentary, which is, Wala that a young child cannot lead someone who's post-pubescent, i.e. an adult, okay? Why did why did the Imam say that? This is, of course, Imam Al-Hijawi. He's he's espousing the humbly position, okay? He's saying that it is not possible for a child to lead someone who's older. And what is a sabi, the word in Arabic sabi, is mandun al-bulugh, someone who is pre-pubescent. Bulugh, we'll say, is puberty, baligh, right? We say, when someone's baligh, we mean that the person is post-pubescent. So, puberty is bulugh. So the one who is less than that, right? Um, and how do we determine puberty? Ya sheikh, kaifu tasma'a So far, how can you hear over there?
1: Um,
0: that puberty is, is indicated by three things, all right? For the male, any one of these three, not all three together, any one of these three. The first one is a person reaches the age of 15. Doesn't matter whether anything else has happened or not, if they reach the age of 15, khalas, we're assuming it anyway. Second, it is the growth of underarm hair, pubic hair, etc. etc. And third, it is the, the wet dream, whether in when when one is awake or at nighttime nocturnal emissions. Okay? The the basically the production of sperm. Alright? In al-mani, Mani. All right? For either wujida wahid, only one is sufficient. Any of these three happens for a male, he is now to be considered baligh, Right, Dhalik, of course, has consequences. In here, we're talking the legal consequence of being able to lead the prayer or as the author is saying, can't be led by a child. When the, when the author says that, that uh, the adult can't be led by a child, he's indicating that the child can be led by the child. That's important as well. So a child can be led by a child. But, but the author is saying in the Hanbali school that an adult or a post-pubescent can't be led by a child. And the reason that they're saying that is because post-pubescent means that this person is now accountable for their actions. Therefore, by indication that anyone under the age of puberty is not held accountable for their actions, by definition, then that every obligatory prayer that they're praying is not actually an obligatory prayer, but rather it's a supererogatory prayer, a nafil prayer, a non-obligatory prayer. So that's what's going on in the background. For women, of course, there's a fourth. So all these four, these three exist for the woman. Fifteen, she's uh, she's baaleh, uh, Fifteen, and with sexual, yani feelings and the like, and and uh, the fluids. And when uh, hair, pubic hair, etc., starts. And then the fourth is, of course, unique to her, which is menstruation. Menstruation, of course, can start as early as eight, nine. We had a, a big discussion in this in class. I don't know what our conclusion was when we did the poll. And we, we did a poll of a whole number of sisters in the class to work out what is a common age for um, puberty. No, no, it wasn't that. It we was menstruation. Yeah, I, 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 people's experiences, yeah, that there was between 9-13 and something in between, okay. Um, so, oh yeah, Solange, yeah, absolutely. This is for the male reader in mind, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, what was I saying? The, um, so, uh, the, 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 the menstrual cycle, yeah, need, uh, 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 when it starts, that's also the indication of, of a blue. Anyway, so even if she's nine or ten or whatever, and she starts actually menstruating, that she's in now. That's it. She's to be considered as an adult. Everything is on the table now: it's marriage and uh, accountability for fard prayers and fard issues and and the like. Okay. So Sheikh says that the evidence for for this, according to the Hanbalis, is based upon an aqli argument and an and a, and a uh, textual argument. That's what we call athari, meaning some text. What is the text that they uh, use? They use a hadith of the Messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم, لَا تُقَدِّمُوا wa وَصُبْيَانَكُمْ فِي صُلَاتِكُمْ Do not put forward your foolish people or your... When we say foolish, we mean Sufaha. Um, sufaha means the, those who don't know better, right? Don't understand, alright? Like uh, silly people, also meaning some kind of deficiency in their aql, basically, yeah? Don't put forward your sufaha, your silly people, your foolish people or your children. Don't put your children forward either. Yani in the prayer. This is the hadith of the Prophet. ﷺ. We'll discuss the, the level of this hadith in a minute. So that's the textual argument. As for another, the logical argument, alright, a logical argument is that if a person who's a child is praying, by definition, it can't be obligatory because obligatory prayers are for people who are held accountable legally, and a child is not held legally. Therefore, when a, when a child prays, they are praying a nafal prayer. So if a person praying nafal is leading a person who's praying an obligatory prayer, an adult, how can the one who's praying the lesser thing be leading the one that's praying the bigger thing, all right? Because the salah behind is fard, and this is nafal, all right? So this is the, 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 the uh, idea. This doesn't make sense. It doesn't make, basically doesn't make sense. Sheikh says that the second position in this issue, basically he means my position, right? Is that this is incorrect and that a child can lead the uh, adult or post pubescent, anyone who's above 14, 15 or whatever, any adult, a child can lead and that that prayer is valid and correct. The reasoning is as follows. Number one, because of what happened to a companion by the name of Amr, Ibn Salama al-Jarmi radiallahu anhu wa arda He narrates the following. This hadith is narrated by Imam al-Bukhari and hadith number 4302. Listen to this uh, hadith. It's very interesting. He said, and he, he's, he's uh, narrating this hadith when he led his people, he led some people and he was about six or seven years old. That's what he remembers. He goes, I was six or seven. All right. So he said that um and i will quote he's that is that uh we were in a situation where um we needed to do the prayer and there wasn't someone obvious to go forward and my situation was that i used to love the quran i used to meet the riders who used to come out yani, to my because he didn't used to live very close to the prophet ﷺ. But he was on a route where the people would come and go and so he would see adults come that were with the Prophet ﷺ who had Quran and they'd be reciting and so he would meet them while he's six, seven years old and he would then learn from them. So even as a young kid that's not in the kind of like the confines of the tarbiyah of the Prophet ﷺ directly, he was picking up enough Quran to be more knowledgeable of the Quran than the rest of his people. So he had more Quran. So he goes, then the, the time uh, uh, for prayer came and so then um they uh, uh when the when the prayer came they said that the prophet ﷺ said that when the prayer is established and when you uh, uh approach the prayer for you so that one of you make the adhan while you aktharukum qurana and let the one who knows the most quran lead the prayer and so they looked at each other and there was no single person amongst the gathering, adults included, who knew more Qur'an than I did. So, and that's because I kept meeting those riders. And so they put me forward. And I was six or seven. And all I had, I mean, first of all, you remember in other classes that I spoke about, you know, that we have to make ourselves aware of context about, you know, their financial situation and their kind of, you know, their, their gatherings and, their, and, and the like. And uh, the adults didn't have more than one sheet. You know the hadith in Bukhari that that uh, some of the Sahaba, they used to alternate their their single sheet. You know, obviously I've been cussing the ihram يعني, in this trip. I mean, you know, it's not the greatest thing to wear. But the reason that that ihram is even there, even in theory, is because actually, the, even the idea of something being molded to your body, that's what stitched means. You know, a lot of people ask the questions, can I wear chaqal that have got stitching in it? It's not the stitching which is the problem. Stitched means stitched surrounding uh, uh tailored what's the actual word yeah, totally fitted. fitted fitted that's what's not allowed fitted you can have like if you look at your ihram it's got stitching all over the place but it's a stitching on the sheet it's not stitching around your arm and shirt and you know what i'm saying so uh back then that's what i had like a person's like juma sheets might be the sufra that they eat on and that they sleep on and then they wash it and then they wear it for Jumaya. That's how minimal the clothing used to be. And that's why when you see expiation being food and expiation being kind of clothing, it's along that line because there's so little of it. You get you, you know what I'm saying? So he said that all I had was one kind of cloak, one cloak. So he goes, I wrapped it around myself as best as possible. Right? So when I say one cloak, I mean, he's got no bottoms. That I means only six, seven years old as well. So he goes, um, عَلَيَّ this cloak I had, put it on. <laughs> that when I would go to uh, to Sajda, because it was I I so desperately tied it around you know, in my backside and whatever, whatnot, it would basically show the outline of my private parts. yani you know, it was so tight, it was so small, it was so mesquine, right? So one of the ladies from the from the from the area from the locality, she goes, "Yeah, uh, I yani, Are you not even gonna cover your private parts from us?" He's like, "I ain't got anything else. This is all I've got." <laughs> Can you imagine, Miskin Kenya, yani, leaving the prayer getting called out, Yani, for he hasn't got enough clothes. So then, after that, when he said that, they realized, "Okay." And so they gathered together. They bought him a uh, qamis so they bought him a sheet and uh, and, and even, speaking in a hadith. It says they bought him a cloth, and he cut from it a kameez, right? So just like super simple, like put a hole in it and stick it over your head, kind of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he says, and this is the the nice part. Yeah, I and mean, he, I was, I never ever saw anything more beautiful, that made me happier than that piece. Just the brother needs to get his uh, thing. So. Um, I never saw anything, I never received anything as nice as that and my happiness on that day was the greatest thing ever. Oh, look, Bilal has put the hadith there in... uh, Yeah, I had never been as happy with anything before as I was with that shirt, okay? Excellent, well done Bilal, he's put the whole hadith there. So anyway, this hadith is very clear text, very clear text, in that he hears the Prophet and he puts it into uh, uh, action and none of the companions spoke against what he did. That's the key. No one spoke against what he did and therefore this is a ruling that should remain. As for their hadith, what did their hadith say? Don't put forward your children or your silly people or, you, or foolish people or whatever. This hadith is weak. It has no basis. Therefore it can't be used as an evidence. It's narrated by Imam al in his book Al-Firdaus. And it is, as I said, لا, it doesn't even have an asl. It's as weak as it gets. So we can't even use the evidence. So the evidence is, is, is invalid. Our evidence is well established from Bukhari. And then uh, the Ta'leel, the, the, the akal. He said that if the child is playing at praying a Nafal, how can he possibly lead the far? So this is a logical argument. How do we respond to that? He goes, well, he goes, we have a principle. We have a maxim, a Qaida. The principle is that there is no Qiyas opposite or in the presence of a text. You can't use logic when there's a text. So yeah, you're right. It doesn't make sense that how can a uh, a person who's praying nafil lead a person who's praying Farb? But it doesn't matter about how it can or not can because the hadith states that it can. And so when a hadith exists, then the the analogy from rationale is put to the side. In the absence of a hadith and in the absence of an ayah, then we need to go to tools where we're making analogy and we're making you know decisions and so on. So that's why Sheikh says if we have an authentic hadith for inna ra'i amamahu, then there's no there's no, uh, there's no, there's no, there's no, there's no way there. The, the real important question is this: what Sheikh asks on the next page, 226. He goes, the real question is, did the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam know that this happened or not? That's key, right? Because what if Sahaba just report these things, and say it happened, and we should say, well, so what? You know, the Sahaba did it. Does it mean that it's okay or not? Does it? What, what do you think? How would you respond to that? Because if you look at this hadith, he didn't say that the Prophet okayed it. He said, "As a kid, I led an adult," and that's it. That's all he said. So, is that it? Is that good enough as an evidence? It could have happened after. The Prophet it could have happened. After, it could have happened. So let's let's deal with that first of all. It could have happened after the death of the Prophet. ﷺ. Okay, we know that it didn't. We know that it happened in the life of the Prophet. ﷺ. That's that's easy. That's that that's that's established from a date point of view. So what's the next point now to suggest? the absence of anything. If you
1: never
0: said anything in front of understanding do this, right? So they're on that, right? So you're saying that there should be a default position that if we don't have something negating it from the Prophet sallallahu but what do you mean by it's okay? Do you mean it's okay in that the Prophet sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam knows about it? or do you want to say something else?
1: Is there a, a, never position, spoke where, is there a position where uh, if the Sahabi did not uh, refute this position the other Sahabi you mean? the other Sahabi yeah that they did not refute then that means it's got to be a go okay.
0: no the problem with that is that they are also following their personal opinion okay. it's not good enough for other people of the same level to be agreeing or not agreeing when we're establishing a firm evidence huh? establishing opinions and we find out that a load were on this opinion that opinion when there's no opinion from the prophet then of course that's important okay. but what we're trying to work out is what is this actually a legislated act can we see it as a legislated act what do you think it's, you're nearly there, but we need a bit more What do we need more to say that, yeah, this is now legit a sunnah The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi would have heard about it For it to be narrated all the way to us, no No, Solange that's not correct The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam does not need to have have not. So what I want to say, what, what Solange is saying is that Of course, whatever happens, the Prophet ﷺ must have heard about it I can't say for definitive that that's that's not not the case, but I can tell you that theory is that it doesn't need him to know everything. Actually we need something else, It's one other line that you're not getting. Think about it. Think about Allah's involvement in this. Think about the Prophet's role in life. Say it again. So therefore, what are you actually trying to say? What are you saying? Exactly, well done, all right? It is part of this deen and part of the Prophet's obligation to explain everything. And part of that obligation is to explain everything which is uh, obligatory and to prevent us from that which is wrong and haram and so on. And so for this to happen and the Prophet not then correct him it's not possible it's not just even something it's not possible he's not doing his job you know what i'm saying and so that's what sheik mean uh, he uh, um uh says so so yeah um and so he says that if there was a problem with this then the prophet would have spoken about uh, spoken out against it or Allah subhanahu wa taala would would um, or Allah subhanahu wa taala would have called it out if the Prophet did not know. So either the Prophet knows and he hears about it, and when he hears about it, if he knows it's right, then he stays silent. He doesn't. He's not obligated to keep indicating things. For example, as Sheikh Uthameen says, he goes that uh, you know "quietus interruptus," right? It's an old phrase, but basically this is a male pulling out to avoid pregnancy as a form of basic contraception after intercourse. The companion said that we used to do that, we used to practice this at the time of the Prophet and he did not say anything about it, okay? That the Quran used to be uh, revealed, was being revealed, meaning the Prophet was amongst us and we would carry on doing this, right? Meaning that neither Allah revealed anything, neither the Prophet didn't say anything. So this indicates that whether the Prophet ﷺ knows or doesn't know, whether they tell him or not tell him, regardless, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will deal with it if he doesn't know. If the Prophet ﷺ knows, he's obligated to speak against it if it is wrong. If it is something which is allowed, he doesn't have to speak out against it because the default position is that he's alive, therefore he let it go, which means it's allowed. And if he doesn't know about it, Allah will reveal something that will correct it, whether the Prophet ﷺ knows or not. And so this is the response to uh, that point. What's the conclusion then, folks? is that it is permissible for a child, according to a number of scholars, certainly uh, not in the Hanbali school, as you can see, but according to Ibn Taymiyyah, according to Amin and our class position. Our class position is that a child can lead the prayer, and it is acceptable. Now, before I move on to the next section, that's different from saying that it's a good thing, right? Yeah, I and mean, one of the things that I am like, you know, I really don't like is what happens in Masajid in Taraweeh in which, you know, it's about, you know, every proud parent likes, you know, their idea of their kid, you know, doing a little bit. So they dress them up and they put their hat on and they get their juzah and they say, yeah, please lead the prayer, whatever. And I get it, everybody has children. Everybody wants their kids. Everybody feels so proud when their kids recite in front of others. But there's one thing when you, you know, bring it to the sheikh and say, read to the sheikh, and yani, a couple of lines. And then my guy takes over the mic and you know we just come or whatever whatnot in the time of, of ibadah and whatever whatnot. you know there's a few people are being kind and say whatever Was well, the rest of us are seething inside yeah, and they're dying right so you know, people have got to just you know calm down we, 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 we will establish that it's valid the prayer is correct and if it happens it happens and those you know ladies are asked the question you know about can uh, one of my children lead the prayer in the house as a male boy and we pray behind the answers yes the legal position is right but let's not lose the plot here yeah Correct. This is only, yeah. The question is, is that, but surely this is conditional upon the Quran level and the, absolutely. We are speaking about not just for fun a child going to lead the prayer. Of course not, because the, uh, as we covered a few lessons back, there are other conditions to lead the prayer, and one of them being they must be knowledgeable about the prayer, and a young child is going to be least knowledgeable. But when we have nobody, so no one knowledgeable about the prayer, nobody knows any Quran, then the child absolutely gets put forward, and that's what happened to him. He was put forward. And so, In that scenario we put them forward and that's what women often ask when they're praying at home right they're praying at home now if they're praying at home i'm saying they're fine leading children they're leading children but if there's a child and there's an adult that can't read or there's some girls for example that that need uh, that are with the lady and they also need to be led then putting a child forward to lead them in the obligatory prayer is something permissible even if their own prayer is a nafal prayer that's the that's the class position and the taught point the next point Wala the, the mute person he's also someone who cannot lead the prayer and there's two types okay there are two types um and actually what shaykh Amin says he goes actually it seems like what the imam is indicating that he can't even lead his own so a mute person can't even lead a mute person yeah a mute person can't lead the prayer at all basically is the position of the Hambalis. okay and that someone who can't articulate can't speak there are two types. The first one, who is just permanently mute, medical condition from whatever. Okay. By the way, what? The, uh, obviously, we've got the the in the NA team here, right? What's the phrases that we're meant to be using? You know, "dumb" has been obviously, and that's like a massive no-no, right? Massive no-no. Yeah. So there's no no more any medical usage for the word "dumb," yeah? Maybe, but
1: certainly Not. Speech impaired.
0: Yeah. A person who can't speak is also speech. So, so, tell me the words, go on. So, speech impaired would indicate someone who can't speak at all.
1: Or there, there's an issue with the speech. Not necessarily at all, but generally, yes, all the way So, what far.
0: about mute then? Is that also politically incorrect? I think you just, you just think mute mute is. is politically correct. Yeah, In America? Right. Yeah. yeah. UK folks, is, is it yeah. the same? Yeah. I want to know that. Mute is okay, huh? I mean, it sounds okay. Um, no, I don't. Mute is fine, huh? But, So, the problem with speech impairment hearing is, that, is that I'm thinking a, 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 a stuttering. Yeah. yeah, the uh, yes. Yeah, so, like, surely there's got to be a speech impairment, can't be covering full inability to speak. There's got to be something. Maybe mute is what's used then? No, they generally use, use speech impairment, yeah. So. And did you say hearing impairment didn't mean deaf is also not allowed?
1: Hearing impaired, although deaf is also used, but, but hearing impaired is,
0: is used very often. All right.
1: Deaf is used. They do say deaf.
0: Hmm. De- the deaf community. Yeah, all right. Got to be careful with these isn't it, bro. Uh, so we're talking about, so there's two types of of muteness, muteness or, or impairment, impairment. There's two types of impairment. The first one is a complete one, which is يعني, from whatever, okay. Um, Sheikh says, since he was young, he's always been there, permanent situation. The second one is an a'arid, something happens to a person, right? Something happens like uh, uh, an accident or uh, an illness. So he was able to speak and then loses the ability to speak. So when it's the first category, lazim, meaning from, uh, 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 from, you, from youth, kind of, uh, from, from young, okay? So this is what Sheikh Rothamin says, I've got to say this is not my area. He goes, then most of the time he can't hear as well. Is that true? Is that true? Yeah. No.
1: No?
0: Okay, I, I also had some doubt about that. That's why I, I, I'm, I'm asking. In you
1: had an example of this in Masjid Labu Right? Day, that was. A woman came up to me and she wasn't able to speak. Complete stranger. She was making sounds. But you were speaking so to when her I completely. I was speaking to her, uh, trying to understand what she was saying. Right. Her, her prayer beads were stolen while she was asleep, and I got right. all of that from just sounds. She right.
0: She couldn't hear me. She, she could hear you. So in fairness to Sheikh Utameen he didn't say that you can't, he said fala ghalib. He goes most of the time. So is that the case? I think it is, isn't it? I don't think that's the
1: case either because some of the, in terms of development. Yeah. You know, uh, two separate
0: paths, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I've got some doubts about that too. Anyway, he says he says. But anyway you're gonna like Sheikh Utamine's statement in a minute. Alright? But so just just but anyway, he's he's dividing them into two groups, right? So he goes that the majority, the, the most of the time, they don't hear, and um, and and, and a hearing is a big thing, and a person who can't hear, right? It's not possible to speak. Is that true as well? So, if you've never heard anything, can you speak?
1: It's difficult. They have to have heard have it. it? Right. So if they have not heard it, then they cannot consume it.
0: So if they have not heard the word, they can't, which well, makes sense. Two they can't, they can't, they can't speak it. The
1: but there's a spectrum though too, right? Because I'm sorry? Have, there's a, spectrum. a there's spectrum. spectrum, there's a spectrum, yeah, go on.
0: Yeah, yeah, right. So you're saying that someone's hearing impaired, can hear a little bit, whatever, then obviously they can hear enough to be able to put sounds together and then words and then practice it. So what about someone who's, so what about who's someone totally who's mute? Can they speak? Is that a fact? A like completely, uh, sorry, beg your pardon, uh, deaf completely. So there, are
1: two there are two different types of impairments, that makes sense. It's like correlation is a causation. because someone's mute does they're deaf. Or vice versa. So no, but the other way
0: around, what if someone is deaf, deaf, born deaf? Can they speak? Simple as that born fully like deaf not not people. no no i'm not interested in maybes it's, it's a factual position no, no. because there's yes. two different
1: areas of the brain yep there's one area where it um, understands that's Wernicke's area yeah then there's another brain uh, part of the brain that's uh, uh, expressive that's Broca's area right the two have to have a connection right so in in brokha's area that's the more motor okay so motor tongue yep you know yeah so
0: Wernicke's it takes in Broca's you right so you know if you're born deaf you never can have you never able to make the connection touch, yeah right yeah
1: and then it will never be
0: transferred to brother's area to speak right that makes sense that makes sense whereas if you can hear then there is a connection and some development can be can be made so sheikh said that if the one who can't hear cannot speak from the, from birth and then اذا لا يسمع شيئا يقلده حتى يتكلم مثله ولهذا اذا ولم الله أذنيه so uh, 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 basically he said that if a child then is born yani unable to uh, speak and uh, uh, sorry um, uh, deaf and Allah subhanahu wa taala does not restore his his hearing or bring 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 around his hearing then that child will remain mute. that's him describing the lazim and describing then the the other person he's fully hearing so he's obviously developed language. That's the, that's the key. And then he goes uh, mute. But he's obviously understanding everything. No speech, He'd done it all before. And you know, it's a whole different uh, uh, whole different situation. According to the Hanbalis, both of these two types, right, cannot be an Imam. According to the Hanbalis, both of these two types cannot be an Imam. Neither for each other, neither for another uh, person. Because you are not able to articulate the pillar of the prayer, which is the Fatiha. I mean, it's an absolute pillar. Right? Just, just listen to this thingy and don't, don't just agree with it because it sounds good. All right? Think about this. Because he can't recite fatiha right? Because he can't speak, therefore he can't lead the people. That's what the argument is being made. All right? And how's he going to do the wajib actions in the prayer, like the first tashahhud? And how is he even going to start the prayer? And how is he going to exit the prayer? So how can this person be an imam? And this is obviously. Uh, referring to a person who is leading another person who is able to speak So how can you, you put a person who can't do any of all this stuff and make them an Imam for a person who's completely able to speak and so on and so forth um, and Whatever whatever anyway Well, a can Sheikh said that Actually in my opinion the stronger position is that the Mute One can not only lead his own people, but can lead the normal people as well. The, he can lead his own people. and What a beautiful statement, SubhanAllah. Because the maxim with us and the principle with us is that whoever's prayer is valid, then they are valid as an Imam. So I want you to imagine, yeah, that when you say to a person that you are mute and therefore you can't recite Fatiha, therefore you can't be an imam. What you're basically saying is that you don't have a prayer. Like what? A person Allah yeah, and he makes mute so that he can't pray. Are you kidding me? His prayer is valid. He can't recite, but he wants to recite. He wants to do. He even if he goes through the motions, his prayer is valid. And once his prayer is valid, then he can lead other people. Now it's a whole different argument. Do we put him forward, right? And of course. He's only going forward, I mean, if literally the whole situations are complete, you know what I mean? Or, what's probably going to happen here is that there's a group of women and one man, basically. And a woman can never lead the man, right? And so that's when the mute would then go and lead the prayer, basically. And he would make some indication of some fourth, and we would have that dispensation in which the one of the ladies, for example, would be allowed to have a look. And this is, by the way, um, (laughs) we were standing in Masjid Nebawi. Right, and so I'm. Start, you know, I mean, obviously, where we, when we teach and when we live, we live in the most convenient and the most organized and disciplined of mosques and lines and perfect and whatever. And when you come here, you have a heart attack. And you, how horrible the lines are, the gaps, people putting bags and kids and God knows what in front of them, behind them, shoes behind them. You have to make such. A, it's, a, it's a mess. It's a jumble sale, right? So that's why I tell all people: don't ever try to learn your fakihani of anything from these places, right? Anyway, as bad as the line was, I was in a line at the front of Masjid Nabawi three days ago. And the next to me is a Saudi guy. Okay. And uh, so I, we're just lining up and we've straightened our line. And the line directly in front of us is a, a line of Uzbekis. And we know because they, they're the ones who wear the jackets, you know, like the sisters do. And it has Uzbekistan on the back in case we did not know which country they came from. Right. So <laughs> there's got Uzbekistan, Uzbekistan. So there's five of them, four of them are standing perfectly online on the edge of the carpet one guy he's actually standing on our carpet with his toes at the beginning of his so he's a full this much back alright okay so the guy next to me he's standing in front of the guy next to me right and so uh, uh, he's kind of waiting for him to step forward but then he goes Allahu Akbar starts the prayer right and so the Saudi is like oh all right. so he just taps him on the shoulder yeah he, which is when you get tapped on the shoulder what's your natural reaction you're going to think you're going to look at yourself aren't you you're going to think something's happened until so you look down you realize whatever so you tapped him on the shoulder guy didn't move no response remember i'm next to him right i'm watching this in front of me like this tapped him again guy didn't move tapped him a third time very gently he's very yanny whatever tapped him the third time the guy turned around in a prayer like this <laughs> Who's tapping me and what's going on? Yeah, and he didn't have the wherewithal that there's something wrong with me. Like he didn't in his mind think that there's something wrong, but he still felt that it was okay in the prayer to do a full turn. And here's the funny, but that's not even the funny part. The funny part was the reaction of the Saudi. He was like mortified. Like what have I made this guy do? Like he's gonna stuff, and he was, he forgot to tell the guy to go forward he goes i'm sorry i'm sorry he started apologizing to the guy that i made you turn around so shocked that he forgot to tell him go forward right and so the guy then turned around staying exactly where he was (laughs) opportunity missed anyway afterwards you know when the prayer finished we had a little chat whatever this is a, a a major turn this is not acceptable in the prayer however it doesn't invalidate the prayer because for him that person there, A don't know of the ruling, which is something different, but two, if there's a reason a reason for movement significant even at that, it's permissible. The prayer is not invalidated. And so him for so I'm giving the example that if there were ladies, then one would be allowed to basically make sajda and then look up. Keep an eye on the on the Imam for example to see then when he gets up. This would be an acceptable thing because of the situation, not in a normative scenario, of course, but because of the uniqueness of the uh, situation. Can you read even a prayer? If what, sorry? A jahil prayer. A jahil. a jahil, did you say? Jahil. Jahir. prayer. Yeah. Can we do what, sorry? Can, can he, call he call lead call in a jahir prayer? God, that's a good one, isn't it? Yeah, why not? Jahir, to read jahriya to read out loud, is a sunnah of the prayer, right? To read out loud in the loud prayers is a sunnah of the prayer. Like for example, like to answer that question a different way, if you're praying behind me, right? When I say me, I'm praying behind the Imam and there's four lines of men, and then you ladies start, okay? And there's no speaker. It's very likely that you can't hear anything what's going on, how are you praying? You're watching me, aren't you, right? And it's Maghrib and it's isha' and you're not hearing anything. So the asal is being established. You don't have to hear the imam necessarily to follow them. So yeah, I think it's a good question. I think the answer is that yeah, the mute person would be doing the same thing. For him, it's obviously the same, right? For him, the quiet and the loud is the same. And for us from a following point of view, we missed out on the quality of the prayer, nothing else. Huh, there is an important difference. What's the difference? Huh? Uh, 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 was The Allah Akbar would be assumed in both of them. There's a difference from the follower. They have to be make sure they're reciting the prayer. Because normally, when the Imam is reciting Fatiha out loud, you listen to the Fatiha. And the Fatiha is a Rukun, it must be recited. Right? Some scholars say that it's got to be recited. Even if the Imam reciting, you got to recite. Is that important? And it is that important, actually. Right? In a silent prayer, in the Dhuhr Na Asr, you must recite all of the everything because you can't hear it. In the obligatory prayer, in the third and fourth Raka'ah, you need to recite it because you can't hear it. But in the first two Raka'ah, when you're listening to the Imam and you're following him, that's sufficient. That's okay. You don't need to recite out loud. The Shafi'i school said, even then you have got to recite out loud. We've been covering that for the last few months as well. All right. So the Prophet uh, said that yes, even though the Prophet ﷺ said that let the one who is leading you be the one who is most versed in the Quran, the most learned of the Quran, this guy can't recite, but his prayer is valid. And as long as a person's prayer is valid, legitimate prayer, then he is legitimate to lead that prayer as well. All right, and for the last part, no, actually, should we do, you know, one thing that we've got to be careful of is that we've got a bus to take us home. Lala, you are the designated survivor, okay? <laughs> Ask my guy over there, yeah? Where's the bus?
1: There's no bus.
0: Because no taxi's coming out into the middle of nowhere in Arafat. We are literally in the You're desert, bro. Make a bro, you know what it is? I don't mind the sleeping, it's the biting, bro. My feet have been killed, by the way. <laughs> I swear to you, I've been bit at least 30, 40 times. Because my blood is sweet, not <laughs> sour like all of you, look. No one's complaining here except me, I've noticed. No, no. Are you getting bitten? Yeah okay badly. badly yeah okay i've been eating alive by the way <laughs> and i didn't even have dessert <laughs> i missed out on dessert cause i had
1: an extra plate for you i did worry. you oh, thank <laughs> you very much it was good. It was what good. did he say uh, he's holding the bus
0: for us yeah. oh legend guy Khalas. all right guys let's do uh, uh, some uh, general q a that's one hour so that's enough for th- for this week by the way people online you guys do need to know that Ruh is in attendance <laughs> by the way mashallah mashallah time uh, i'm MashaAllah. And by the way, Rafi'ah, by the way, from our, our class uh, notes all the time, she's here as well. Surprise guest, mashaAllah, from Jeddah. Sorry, yeah. Just an offering, you just
1: listening to
0: the press that we have been having, why is it that there's always somebody repeating, even though there's a loudspeaker? So, guys, guys, Suraya uh, is asking my pet peeve question. <laughs> well Yanni yeah, both of you don't blame Shaz don't th- by the way Shaz we have another Shaz here by the way yeah we have another Shaz Shaz and Suraya blame each other on this this guy is the world's most irritating person on the planet okay he is called a mukabbir guys they're asking about who, who's this guy who's yani yeah, killing everyone this guy who's called a mukabbir right technically theoretically he's doing a great job the idea in theory is that you can't hear the imam and because you can't hear the imam uh, then we're the backup kind of thing which is what we do in gatherings back home when you know it's needed yeah um, or theoretically you know this is obviously a major congregation and if the speaker system fails there's a secondary system installed so he then covers for it that's the theory the thing is is that the speaker system is clearly not failing the whole world can hear him right so why does he have to do it again? number one number two there isn't actually a problem in hearing the imam even with the existing problem why are you yani, giving it a big end? Number three, okay, if you are going to do it, say Allahu Akbar, yeah? Say, Rabbana wa laka uh, You know what I'm trying to say? And it destroys your head and your know, blah de blah, and people, and there are people who get confused, you know, in the salams. Yes. Uh, oh, oh it's, it's horrible. It's, so it's horrible, it's horrible, it. it's horrible. <laughs> it now, here's the irony. Here's the irony, in this trip, nobody has brought it up to me all right, until you have now. And it's irony because we speak, we speak about this in the class all the time, except that one other person. And he brought it up to me when we were walking to Salatul, Salah I want to say Asr, in Masjid Nabawi. And I was like, man, this guy's pointless, waste of time. This, that, blah, blah, blah. And then who leads the prayer? Sheikh Ali Hudayfi. And anybody who knows Sheikh Ali Hudayfi, you got no idea what he's saying. He's now so old, miskin, that he does it for himself. And actually, I think that he's the only guy who needs that mukabir. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's the only guy who needs it. Because you got no idea what he's saying. And when he cops, people are going up and down, whatever, so for him, we need it. But for everybody else, please, right? So, anyway, exactly, my most passionate yani of uh, thinking. Right, uh, let's have a look here. If the most versed in the Qur'an is preferred to lead the Salah, even if he's mute, why would he still be put forward last to lead the Salah? Because there are you can't be putting forward someone who can recite the Qur'an over someone who can't recite the Qur'an, that's why. So he would be last. And then, when he is the last person who, Yani is the is the is the one. Then, then, then it, it then it, then uh, then he's the one who gets put forward. Even if the mute person has no knowledge, Even if the mute has no knowledge of the prayer. No, no oh yeah, God yeah. So the question is, is that if the mute person has more knowledge, which of course is very possible, than the one who can read the Quran. Of course, the one who reads the Quran is the one who leads the prayer. Absolutely. Um, any other questions? Yes Back where, where, back where, where, sorry Oh my oh, god no. Yalla shukr. Imagine We could have asked him to do that ages ago Look at the piece now Oh my life Shouting so loud On oh, god knows how, what, what they've been hearing Huh it's a small generator Look at how much noise is How noise Yeah it's tiny Tiny little generator But they're good things as well SubhanAllah By the way the other one's still on no, that's a truck. <laughs> yes. Right, sorry, yes, bro. Yeah, the, uh, they
1: do uh, the prayer,
0: they do salam twice. Yeah. Here
1: they do salams
0: once. Oh, you mean for janazah? Yeah. Oh, no, that's just the position of the hanabilah. That it's only required once. Actually, the majority of scholars only consider one salam to be obligatory. The difference with the janazah is that the, the hanabilah only consider there to be one salam, which is needed. A person who wants to add a second salam can add it, but there's no need. One is sufficient to exit the prayer anyway. And what about the by the way, just, want to, just to throw another curveball in, there are some scholars that don't even consider Janazah prayer to be a Salah. Yeah, they consider it to be a Dua. Um, and the ones who believe that are the Hanafi school, which is why they don't have Fatiha as part of the Janazah prayer. Just very interesting. Anyway, go on. Yes, you do need to. The question is, that do you need to be in line for the Janazah prayer? And the answer is yes, you do need to be in line for the Janazah prayer, but it's just a bit more flexible the whole system for janaza is more flexible. Because in janaza, we will actually manipulate the lines to create odd numbers. So it's an actual uh, recommended act to make the lines look more, right? Feel more and be in an odd number in terms of lines. So we might not complete the first line and have a couple of, uh, you know, inside at the end, like, and then bring a few people back and then bring a few people back. Um, there is no there's no evidence from the Prophet ﷺ what the reasoning for the odd is other than other than in general these things are in odd. Yeah, no, no specific any evidence that I can think of that comes to mind. This is just the action of the companions. He, actually, it wasn't the action of the companions. The Prophet ﷺ led the prayer and he had five people with him and he made them line up in this way. Six people with him, sorry. And he, he put, instead of having six in one row, and the hadith is good enough, he put them into three rows. That's why we make it odd lines, because of the action of the person. Reasoning, Allahu A'lam. Sorry, yeah, yeah.
1: Um, you mentioned uh, the respect standing by, turning around. Yeah. Um, I heard a hadith, I can't speak to you, I'm sorry, but where the um, Prophet he, um,
0: in mid-prayer, Aisha radiallahu alayhi was knocking on the door, he left to open the door for her, and he came back, Correct. You said any would prayer Correct. So this prayer was not a obligatory prayer. The the brought a question. He said that what about the hadith of Aisha radiAllahu anha when she uh, uh, said that the Prophet went and opened the door in the prayer? This happened in the house. Obviously, I mean that's that's obvious. Meaning it was a nafil prayer, and a nafil prayer is far more flexible than an obligatory prayer. For example, we can pray on a car, in a car, in a plane. Uh, the Prophet asked him used to pray on the camel. So moving is not a problem, not so much of a problem. There's lots of flexibility. Even, you know, tiny, tiny bit of water that you drink. Yeah, And for someone who's like, really, whatever. There's a lot of flexibilities. So
1: been
0: a, been a prayer, oh no, in obligatory, it's not. A, and even by the way, the movement was because the door was in front of him Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So he walks forward, opens, comes back and carries on. We're not talking steps, many, and that house, that his room, by the way, was only five meters odd, four meters. So we were talking like a few steps as well. So minimal movement, minimal change of direction, no problem. Obligatory, you can't do that unless there's a reason. The reason is to fill a gap. Two to three steps to jump into the next gap in front of you. But this kind of movement would not have happened in obligatory prayer. Yeah. Um, so when
1: they say, you know, uh, we pray in the first line, second line. Yeah. You know, or, uh,
0: yes. no very good right what brother is basically saying unless of course that he's not ruining things right you know what i'm saying is that the question is is that who gets the reward in the prayer line the people who are at the front or the people who can get to the front even if they come late and they go through all the people so that depends because maybe this guy is just you know just uh uh messing around or maybe he's a hero right Maybe he's the only one who is actually making an attempt to close gaps because closing gaps is important. However, you don't do that more than two or three times because in a masjid like Masjid Nabawi, you could spend easily the entire prayer stepping, stepping, stepping because there would always at some point you've just got to say right that's it. And I say two to three times when you've killed the first gap, maybe a second one, but no more. That's it. So in before so before Salah. If he's coming to the front without climbing over people, the answer is yes, he gets the reward. No, this is unacceptable. This is completely unacceptable. He doesn't deserve to be here. And the Prophet said that the people who climb over the next, he criticized them. So he can't be any, you know, excuse me and no, no, no. Yeah. At the same time, very important point here. He's the condemned one, but you shouldn't make yourself the condemned one by saying, get out or, you know, and the Prophet said that the best of you are those softest in shoulder. So he taps you go but he's the embarrassed one not me i'm not going to embarrass myself i'll open my way for him because i'm not here to cause a fight but he needs to be educated that actually he's letting himself down you know what i'm saying yeah who's going to save us guys I have a question. okay so I know that okay you, you want you want the mosquitoes to eat basically tonight no? like <laughs> the you want, awesome. they, they gala dinner yeah
1: <laughs> men get rewarded for walking in the janaza. i know that but do we get for
0: walking a in the do? oh you mean following we the janaza. Follow for praying in the... Oh, you're 100% the prayer, no doubt. And even on following the janazah. I don't want to follow it.
1: I just wanted to make sure we were getting
0: No, no, to... no that's good. And, and I'm glad you said that We, I don't want to follow because people don't understand the statement of Umm Salama and the hadith of the Prophet. Mm-hmm. She said that, you know, that we were uh, forbidden from this. But not strictly because it's not a place for a woman. It's a gathering people, heavy thing, you know whatever so it's not meant a woman's place so she doesn't miss out there but the prayer is where she should be and she gets the full reward for it all right guys just to, uh, give you an idea of this plane of Arafah here because they always like to see the thing and there is the top of Al-Rahma. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bring us here. For, um, oh at uh, the end, huh? Uh, this is for Ruhi. Uh, uh, oh we, oh, just, we <laughs> always
1: promised. Oh my her what are you her talking chocolates. about?
0: No. <laughs> always, okay. No, 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 not for Ruhi. When did everyone anyone bring chocolate Actually, to, her the bring yeah. to the class? Yeah. We okay. always we her that we Wallah we do promise her. We do promise she 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 her. I have to say that the that the brothers and the sisters from from PG they didn't bring us some chocolate. But you know what? You can't get enough chocolate, so it's okay. We let you off. We let you off. خلاص <laughs> شكرا. <laughs> 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 That's very very
1: sweet. Barakallah <laughs> <laughs> <And that must laughs> everybody.
0: Yalla guys, back <laughs> in Chido next week, same place, same time, 7:50 UK time, and uh, uh, in Chido. Subhanaka <speaking> Allahumma an la ilaha illa anta ustaghfiruka Allahumma wa atubu ilik. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.